We're on week number four of our Mile Marker series. And uh, we took a little bit of a break, kind of a halftime intermission, if you will. We had Mother's Day, and then Michael Jr. was here last week. And boy, he did a great job too, didn't he? Michael Jr. was uh, prophetic and uh, funny and uh, all of the above. And I heard so many stories, uh, even from our team that was serving in the tables and the lobbies at each campus, where people were circling and trying to deal with receiving and uh, just having a hard time with it. But God did a, a big work and I'm thankful for his, his work and his ministry. Um, but now we're back into our series. And again, we've been talking about following Jesus. Our text was 1 Peter chapter two, where it was said, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow what? in his steps, to follow in his steps, is to imitate, it's to, to walk after Jesus. And by the way, if you're gonna follow Jesus, Jesus is a leader. Jesus is a leader. That means if we're following in his steps, guess what he's gonna call out of us? A leader. It is in my belief that every person under the sound of my voice today, that Jesus will make more out of you than you could ever imagine and he will grow leadership in you. You're not just here to receive the gospel, but you are also to give and make a difference in the world that's around you. And of course, we've talked about the four chairs that we had on the platform and the processes of development from infancy through childhood phase where people help us grow in our faith, our teenage, adolescent, young adult years where it becomes our own, and then maturity where we begin to settle in and we, we know who Jesus is and yet we're called to go back and to support the next generation and help them along in the journey. And then we talked about having our daily yes and the daily yes is a mark of obedience. The first big one was, a, was baptism and we had water baptisms in our campus here in Spring Lake Park, Maple Grove and, and, and Elk River. We're excited about what God's gonna do in the future of baptisms in Elk River. But we talked about that's an act of obedience and Jesus is looking for his disciples, those that follow him, to be walking in obedience. And then we ended with a generous soul and how the heartbeat of God is to always benefit others and to take care of others. Today is a disciple being and disciple making. And I wanna talk about what Jesus did with his disciples, he in fact will do with us. You see, in our spiritual journey, it's not just about what we did and what we learned, it's also about who we learned it with. If I were to interview every one of you today and ask you about your story, you would have various points of your story going back, some of you decades, others of you a few years or months, and I would ask you questions and you could not tell your story without having somebody else in the story. It could have been a pastor who was up and preaching and, and while he was preaching or she was preaching, whoever it may have been, male or female, and they were preaching to you and something was going on inside of you and, and, and it was like they were preaching directly to you. And you're like, how, did, how does he know? How does she know my life like this? And, 
and God used people to step into your story, but also there are people that came alongside of you at various stages of your life. Hopefully your parents did and they were helping you grow and if not other leaders and teachers and people along the way, God used to come alongside and help you through the story. See, really our faith development is interloped or wrapped together with other people. We need each other. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. <laughs> I need you. And so we need people, then we need to grow together. And when it comes to growing together, we have to have others in as a part of our story. I was thinking this week about my personal story, going back to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, of course my parents, they, they raised me and they did a good job. They're on the platform behind me today, so they did a really good job. So, um, but uh, along the way, I got involved in the youth group at church, and uh, my senior year of high school, God did a lot of uh, turnaround in my life, and I graduated from high school, and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I wanted to maybe chase some money. I didn't know what I'd do. I, I knew I didn't want to pastor. Uh, that was one thing I told the Lord that I didn't want to do. I went to business college at a local community college. And, and while I did that, uh, I was asked by the youth pastor, Jeff Grinnell, to be one of his youth leaders and to invest back in the next generation. And uh, I liked him a lot, and, so, and I liked being around him. So I said, yes. Well, that plunged me into two years of complete life change for me. As I watched him, served him, was involved with services and, and did a lot of different roles. And I mean, they did crazy things back in the early 90s. You guys remember what mopeds are? And uh, it was like every teenager had to have a moped before they got their driver's license. And, and we would do, like do these big caravans with 30 and 40 mopeds throughout the city. We were, they rush on the city, they ride on the wall. Great is the army that carries out, well, it's an old Christian song, actually about a bunch of grasshoppers in the Old Testament that God was gonna send to destroy a land. Well, when, when I was, when I was, <laughs> I have no idea where that came from, I just <laughs> flew out. So I remember with Jeff, the thing that, that changed my life was just being with him. It wasn't a specific lesson or sermon or anything, it was following his life. And uh, I mean, I'd go over and play two on two basketball. They had a ba uh, court in their basketball yard, in their backyard, and, and we would play basketball, and then we'd go on trips, and everything was fun and serious and spiritual. And, you know, looking back, he shaped my life by me following him. So, what I'm leading you to is the reality is when you want to follow Jesus, Jesus will send people into your life that have been following him and they become your model that you follow after. And I mean, crazy things happen. I watched Jeff so closely that eventually when I stopped resisting the Lord and I came to North Central Bible College and I was in my homiletics or preaching class, they would videotape your messages and then you'd have to watch yourself. And I had watched Jeff so much that I over-exaggerated his mannerisms. And so he would preach and he'd go like this and he would talk like this. And so I'm preaching and my over-exaggerations, I'd go like this, but my jaw was going all over the place. 
and it was so obnoxious. I'm looking, I'm like, I'll never be able to preach. But the reality was so much of Jeff was in me that it gave me the courage to take the next step. Now, he didn't disciple me my whole life, although I still call him and he's an influential figure in my life. But he was influential in a season of my life that propelled me to where God wanted me to be. You see what I'm saying? So today we want to talk about what disciple making is and what it looks like in the, in the flesh and what it's really all about. You might have parents that discipled you, coaches and teachers. But on the platform behind me, we have a number of people that are, are here and they all have mentor discipleship type relationships. And, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach my message from the chair if, you can, if I can. And I might stop and ask you guys questions along the way and uh, just to you know, get your insight. Uh, one of the persons sitting next to me is Pastor Tim Smith, our high school pastor here in Spring Lake Park. And uh, do we have a mic? Uh, Tim, talk to me about uh, when you think about mentoring discipleship. You and I have a relationship. Yeah. Um, what does that look like for you and me? Yep. So uh, just a little background on myself. I grew up a PK, so I have been in the church my whole life. Um, and so discipleship always meant a lot of different things to me. Um, but when I was 18, I had a, I had a family uh, tragedy happen. My dad unexpectedly passed away, and he was really close with Pastor Nate. So I've known Pastor Nate my entire life. He knew me as a little boy. And um, there was a huge gap left in my life. And Pastor Nate, you said something um, already um, and uh, this morning it said, it's not only about what you learn, but also who you learned it with. And discipleship with me in my life has not always been about the facts, which are important. It's been about the people that helped me discover those facts. And as a pastor's kid, I always knew Jesus loved me. I knew all the scriptures. Um, but when something went wrong in my life for the first time, it was the people that came alongside me like yourself, um, and I could just list so many names, that they, their love for me, their willingness to say, hey, I'm imperfect, but let me help you through this imperfect situation um, by showing the love of Jesus and pouring into me and honestly making time, just letting me know you legitimately care. It's not that you are paid to... Uh, to care for me. It's not that you're my parent, uh, so you have to love me. It's you love me because you love me and you care about my situation. And there are so many instances, um, even when you, even when I was 18 uh, and I had no idea what I was going to do um, after dad passed away and you drug me with you down uh, to Dallas uh, and I just hung out with you for a week at a youth uh, camp. Um, moments like that helped me realize that the facts were the facts. They weren't just facts I had to memorize. They were facts that became real for me. They became true. And the fact that Jesus loved me, yes, I knew that, but now I really knew that because other people demonstrated it in such a real way. That's why I'm here today. That's why I am the person I am today, and I strive to be a better man um, because I want to be that person that can now come alongside um, young adults, can come alongside high schoolers and junior hires and see them in a situation and just say, hey, let me walk with you through it. Yeah. And that has been the most powerful times of discipleship. That's in good my life. stuff. That's really good stuff. 
Come on now. So this is how Jesus works. Um, in fact, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter four with me, I want you to look at Jesus and how he actually mentored and discipled people. It wasn't that he just got up and gave lessons to everybody. It actually was in the context of relationship, doing life together. And first, Jesus intervened into the story of the disciples in chapter four, verse 18. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water. They're actually on their job, if you will. Can you imagine Jesus showing up at your job, saying, come follow me. And for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me. Say that with me, come follow me. And he says, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. He said, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. He says, I'll show you. Other versions say, I will make you fishers of men. Now, back then, uh, they had to leave something in order to follow. Now, I, I wanna be very clear. When you follow Jesus and you wanna be a disciple of his, you're going to have to leave some things. It's not just all good stuff, God will heal you, God will love you, it's all uchi gucci, everything is gonna be easy, plus he'll throw tons of money on you and everything's great. Now when you follow Jesus, the things that you love that were the identity markers of your life, you may have to leave them in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus makes us. That isn't an instantaneous moment, it's a process. And he takes you on a process to becoming all that you want to be, dream to be, all that he designed you to be. And I have discovered in my pastoring time that people get frustrated when they come to the altar, they're, they're challenged by God, they want prayer, and they wonder why they're not different the day after. Why am I not a super Christian now? Why don't I have the gift of healing to throw out on people? And I just want you to know, although that has happened, I've seen people that have been dramatically delivered from drug addiction in one setting. I've also seen hundreds of people that had to go through a process of denying their flesh, picking up a cross and following Jesus. And Jesus' style is much like the difference in basketball coaches between college and high school. In college here in Minnesota, we've got a college coach and um, Richard Pitino, who is a, a, uh, a young up and coming coach and he scours the country and he finds talent or a, a John Calipari at, at Kentucky he gets guys that will come for one year and then they go to the NBA. Well, how, how, did, what's, how do they develop talent? Well, really they just go get talent and bring it in. They don't develop people that much. They already got a lot of super skills. High school coaches have to deal with whoever's in the school. They have to coach whatever talent is there and they have to think over many years. Good high school coaches will think about all the way into elementary years and the programs that they've got for in-house basketball and then traveling teams. And then by the time they get into high school, they're prepping their, their guys or their girls teams to succeed, okay? So a, a high school coach has to think about development over a long period of time. Jesus is more like a high school coach than he is a college coach. 
He is somebody that comes and he sees the long haul view of who you can become and he develops you over time. He grows you over time. Jesus takes time with his disciples. He spends time with them relationally over three years and he models a lifestyle that his disciples, his team could have when he's gone. They watched him when he was tired and when he was overwhelmed and when he was irritable and they saw it all. And he then begins to show them after they getting to know him, ministry opportunities. He says, watch me do this. Then he did it with them. Then he sent them out to do ministry and come back and give a report. And then they debate it. And then the, eventually the time came when he would have to release them. But this is what I want you to catch. He chose to sacrifice his time in the context of relationship. Relationships require shared experiences. Now this, the reason I'm going to talk about this is because in the church world, we have, we have a tension point. We're okay with giving up an hour on Sunday morning. Worship, preaching, go on with our life. But this is not the long-term discipleship setting for you. Because in this setting, I'm not hearing back from you and we're not processing together. And we're gonna to try to do a little bit on the platform here. But in your life, you're going to need other settings now, churches all over the world put on programs. They do alpha and kids programs and youth programs, and they put on all these programs. And the reason that they do that is to provide opportunity. The curriculum is important, but it's not about the program. It's about the relationships within the program where discipleship can occur. You can't grow in faith when you don't have a context where your relationship is with another believer. You have to have it. That's why I push connect groups. It's not because I'm trying to get you to do more church things, but, but it's because I know that you need to be in a place where you break down what we're talking about. You verbalize what pains and frustrations and strengths and weaknesses that you have, the things that you're walking through in real time. And other people are a part of your story so that you can grow in faith. That's the setting that Jesus provided for his disciples. They were much like this. Now that wasn't nice and tidy with lights on a platform and chairs function this way, but they were surrounding each other and to follow Jesus cost the people that were following him something and it cost Jesus something. So in the relationship of disciple making, mentoring, whatever you wanna call it, it's gonna cost both sides. It costs me to give up my time and it costs the people that are gonna follow me to give up their time. Let me ask this question in the back row here. We got Macy and Bree, um, and uh, they are friends, but they're also, there's youth leader relationship with student, and uh, that meant that there was a lot of time that was spent. Macy, you, you just graduated from college. Give it up for Macy, she graduated from North Central. In order to pour into Bree, was it easy? No. What did it cost you? Um, it was a lot of my time, for sure. Um, I was busy doing a lot of things in college and school and work and sports. And a lot of it, we built a relationship when we were in high school. 
together, and so it was more, it was natural for us just to hang out and just to be friends, um, but it also was, there was an age gap too, so it was kind of trying to figure out how that works and how I can still pour into her, but yet kind of have that friendship too, and so it did cost me a lot of my time, but it was definitely worth it towards the end. And you had to show up for connect groups when you didn't feel like it, right? So busyness at college and all of that. Um, were there times that you considered not going? All the time. <laughs> um, it definitely can get exhausting too when you're not filling yourself up because I feel like ministry happens in the overflow and when you're getting um, your cup filled. And so I definitely had to make sure that I was taking the time for myself too and getting people, getting mentors of mine too and having people pour into me so I can in turn pour out to Bree and other people um, and also have that personal time with God too. That's good. I mean, you can't. You can't just give out all the time. You also have to have somebody pouring into you. One of the points I'll make today is, is that everybody's got to be a disciple. In other words, you're following somebody and everybody can make disciples. Now, what about the other side of the relationship here, Bree? Um, along the way, did Macy ask and expect things out of you? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean... I mean, she expects you to be at... At connect groups? I think, yeah, she did. What would happen if you, like, stopped going for a month? Um, she would have definitely messaged me, hey, Bree, why aren't you at connect groups? Uh -huh. You know, just asking me what's up. <laughs> and what, you know, when it comes to following somebody, what, I, what I'm really wanting to pull at is, what did it take for you to learn something from her? I think that it was with her persistence and just her being there all through high school for me to be like, okay, wow, like Macy's the real deal, you know, like she, um, I just learned that she, um, that you just don't give up on people and it takes time to learn that. So, yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So when Jesus was in the setting where he was discipling people, it was over three years. So it was actually probably what you just said. You can't remember a time where she asked you to do something, but she probably really expected you to do a lot. And because there was a long haul relationship, it didn't feel like she was your boss keeping check of you. But in reality, she was challenging you with her own walk with God. And that's the way it was with Jesus. His disciples walked with him and they learned from him and they watched. Jesus, when he was needed replenishment, he would go away from them and get away from the crowd and he would go away to pray. And they observed his lifestyle because the time was coming. And here's the twist to the story. Everybody wants to be discipled by Jesus for the rest of their life. But he did it for three years and then he expected that his disciples to do what he did with him, with others. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, what's often called the great commandment or great commission. The great commission in verse 19 says, therefore, go and make converts. What does it say? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In other words, Jesus was essentially saying, time's up and you just receiving from me. It's time for you to now pour into someone else. And friends, if you're gonna write something down, 
write this next phrase down. Every generation is responsible to invest in the next generation. Every generation is responsible to invest in the next generation. And I'm not just talking about chronological age. If you've received much, you have a responsibility to give it away. Let's not just become great receptacles of God's grace, his faith, his story. But I'll tell you this, all of those that mentor and disciple, much of what they have to give away is hidden in their own personal story. So when I could walk Tim through the pain of his dad and the story that he walked through and the loss that he had, I could do it because I went through my own seasons of pain and I found God to be faithful and I was able to pour out of my own experience and give him help. And that's not just in spiritual ways, friends. That's also in practical ways. We should be investing in those that come on our new employees at the place we work. We should be the type of Christians that mentor them and help them, not get threatened like they're gonna take our job. Can I get an amen? amen? Or a new kid that comes to school, helping them through the ropes and showing them the uh, friendship groups and those kind of things. It's our responsibility to do that. Here uh, on, on the couch, we've got Stuart and Isaiah. And uh, these guys work together, but that's not the full end of the story. You see, Isaiah was a student at North Central, graduate. Come on, another graduate at North Central. Good job, buddy. And uh, really proud of you, bud. Um, he was a basketball player, but in his time at North Central, he was and is still trying to discover what is the big thing God's called me to do. And while he was there, he had an internship here at Emmanuel with our creative team and Stuart is our creative director and he, he spends time investing in his team. So um, we'll start with Isaiah. Tell me, what, what did you learn from, from Stuart? Uh, yeah. I came into this internship and I was like, yeah, I like taking photos on my iPhone. And I'm, I won this marketing class project, so I was like, this will be good. And then he had to teach me everything about how to take photos with a real camera. And he had to teach me how to communicate the story of Emmanuel um, that I had no idea how to do. I came in thinking I knew a lot and I didn't really know anything. And he came in and he sacrificed his time. I didn't really think about it, but he spent hours a week going through photos with me, going through different things, teaching me um, how to improve. And it's like, he, he taught me um, how to go after my passions and find the things that I love and go after it. And it's like been the craziest year. A year ago, I had this internship and now I work here in the communications department. And it's just been like the craziest ride. And I was like super grateful for it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, hand the mic to Stuart here. Talk about your side of it, Stuart. What did you see and what did you do to get him to this point? And why did you do it, maybe? So for me, um, someone from our team, uh, Pastor Paul Kelly, came up and told me, hey, there's this guy, Isaiah. He's really, 
he's a business major at the time, but he's really into communications. And I think it'd be worth it for you to just sit with him, talk with him, see if you're, see if there's something there, if he could be a part of the communications creative team. And so what I did before I did that is I creeped on his Instagram because that's, that's what millennials do. And I saw that there was something there. I saw that he had the skill, but then I was excited about getting to hear his story. So the first thing we did before anything is we went and we sat down and we had coffee. And we just talked probably for an hour, an hour and a half. Got to hear about what he was excited about, what he liked, what he enjoyed. Um, because I knew if he had the skill and it was the right story, then we could take, we can do something with this. Because on our team, we care about the story of what God is doing in Emmanuel. And if his story can connect with our story, then we can take our story even further. And so for me, it was like, okay, let's have coffee. And that was great. And that's the easy part. And then it was, okay, let's take pictures. Because... An iPhone is a little bit different than a professional camera. And it was week after week we did it. We would take pictures together here on a Sunday morning and then later that week we would, we would sit and we would go through thousands of photos and I would say, okay, well you need to change the composition on this. You need to change this. He's asking me questions about why, why does my shot not look like this? And I'm like, well, it's this, this, and this. And it was week after week after so did, week after was week. Was that hard sometimes like, to be patient? Was that a difficult thing? No, when he's asking why, 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 and I mean. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it became sometimes five to ten hours of my week, me and him working together, and it was exhausting sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the best thing because now, I mean, he takes better pictures than me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So for Jesus, you need to catch this. Discipleship isn't just in a church Bible format. It's also, it's a lifestyle. It's investing in the people that are around us, whether it be at work or at home or in our church. And for Jesus, success isn't just bearing fruit yourself. It's multiplying. It's pouring what you have into someone else and watching them do it, helping them do it, hopefully doing it even better than you someday. Uh, it, this is really the heartbeat of God. If you go back into Genesis, when God created people, it says in G Genesis 1, 27, for God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and what? Multiply. He wants us to multiply. And of course, you can talk on the physical end of things and having kids and all of that, but I think it's really the philosophy of the heartbeat of God that anything he gives us, he wants us to reproduce in others. If I have something, I wanna be able to give it away. I wanna come along somebody else, beside someone else and help them accomplish God's dream for their life. Really, that's what he's doing. So I, as I think about the plan of discipleship, it's a discipleship journey for all of us. Every person needs to be and make disciples. Say that with me. Every person needs to be and make disciples. That means it's something a part of your thinking. You're like, there's no way, Pastor Nate. I gotta go to Bible college first to do that. Absolutely not. At your level where you are, there are people that you can reach down and help on their story. And there's always somebody you can reach up and follow. We need to be people that are following. And by the way, when I'm looking for somebody that I want to pour into, I'm looking and I use the FAT principle. F-A-T, FAT, everybody said FAT. Okay, it's in a good context today, I promise you. 
F means faithful. I look for people who are gonna be faithful. I don't wanna just spend time with people and then have them forget about it. I've mentored people or started a journey with people over time when I've said, hey, let's meet for coffee. And when I meet and I give them a somewhat of an assignment, if they don't do it, I don't give them my time again. Why? Because they're not gonna be faithful with it. You know, Jesus gave the principle, if you're faithful with little, he'll make you faithful with much. If you wanna grow in faith and follow somebody and have others mentor you, you've got to be faithful. The A is for available. I want to be available. You can't grow in faith if you're not available. If you wanna find space for discipleship in your life to receive it from somebody, then you gotta be available. We're a society that's so busy, we're available for everything but the most important things. And then the T is for teachable, which simply means it's an attitude that I can learn. You ever been around somebody that already know it all? Hello? You don't wanna pour anything into them, right? You're ready to just give them a verbal spanking in some senses. You're like, get out of my face. But if somebody says, you know what, I I can learn from you. You can learn from anyone. You're teachable. You can be fat. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay to be fat. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. So let me ask a question today. Who are you learning from right now? Are you taking advantage of the learning you can receive from a boss, a teacher, a coach? Are you in a context where you can have relationship with believers in God, disciples of Jesus Christ that you can learn from? Or are you so busy you don't have the space to be a disciple? Maybe you need to do, do that. There's lots of ministries in our church that will help with that, connect groups and men's groups and women's groups. and. And they're alpha. We've got all kinds of opportunities, but it's not about those programs. It's about the context for relationships so that you can grow. What about who is learning from you? Is anyone learning from you right now? Are you pouring into anyone? Is there any opportunity for you to share? First Timothy 4.12, Paul says, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. It's gonna cost you something, but it's worth it. It's gonna cost you either way, in being a disciple or making disciples, it'll cost you, but it will be worth it. I wanna mention, I've got my mom and dad over here, and uh, you guys are in a a different generation than I'm in. Um, Yesterday was my mom's birthday, and... uh, How old are you now, Mom? I, asked, I didn't ask this in the first service. She's not ashamed. I'm, I'm not ashamed of my age. You know, I, I did a lot to get here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm 68. All right. Mm-hmm. And then my dad, my dad will be hitting the big 7-0 this December. And uh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Hand the mic to Dad a sec, Mom. Um, Dad, you've chosen throughout your life. I watched it when I was a kid in your house. You would have young adults come over to our house. They would eat dinner with our family. And then you would take them into the living room and you would spend time um, with them. And you've done that with hundreds of people over time. Um, Why? Well, first, because Jesus loves me. (laughs) This I know for the Bible tells me so. All right, go a little bit deeper, Dad. I'm, uh, I'm looking for a different answer. 
Why do you invest in other people? I'll try the short version here. <clears throat> well, Jesus in the Word says to be a disciple and make disciples. I personally was discipled by your grandpa. And I chose to carry that authority in my life into following Jesus. But I didn't know exactly how that was going to work out. And then God started sending men into my life that discipled me. And then I started pouring into others. And I saw the, not only the fruit, but I saw the multiplication of it. But then I also looked at the church and I didn't see it happening a lot. And then God put another man in my life whom. Uh, Wayne Benson, who poured into me, and he gave me a challenge. He says, Ron, well, he said it to a whole group of people. He says, I expect you to reproduce yourself once a year. And he looked at us, and he said, that's not too difficult, is it? So I have a philosophy in life. I'm either going to prove you right, or I'm going to prove you wrong. So I went ahead and did it, and it's never stopped. And I've seen where the investment I, I saw the fruit, but then from the fruit, I saw the multiplication, mm. and um, I'll never stop. And if you know my dad, that's actually very true, um, including every part of his life. Uh, how many years were you, were you a truck driver? Fifteen years. So you would have a partner that would drive with you. Oh, yeah. And what did you call those guys when each one new one that came in? What did I call them? Yeah, you call them the, the next assignment or something oh, like yes. that. Oh, yes. And uh, how much, you led several of them to the Lord, didn't oh, yeah. you? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I remember specifically, uh, well, two, can I? Yeah. Two guys. One guy I picked, I, the first night I went to pick him up, uh, African American brother, and he's built like an ox. I picked him up at 11 p.m., didn't know who he was, because if you know anything about truck drivers, they're different, okay? <laughs> We're a different breed. That's why I probably fit in. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I picked him up, and we met each other, and he went back and went to sleep, and I went down the road. And as I got down the road, all of a sudden I heard this, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! In the back. And I said, Whoo! And I stopped the truck, I turned, I said, his name was um, Brown. We called each other brother. So I said, Brother Brown, you get up here. You go, you're going to worship? You worship with me now. Come on. I didn't know he was a believer. And every night I drove with him for about six months. Well, he taught me uh, uh, some jargon. He says, uh, now, we're going to call this jaw jacking with Jesus. <laughs> and so every night... I pick him up. I drove first. We'd have our doll jacking with Jesus. Then another brother, Ron Samoji, who uh, was from Lynchfield, uh, Michigan. And uh, when I started driving with him, he says, now I want you to know I'm Catholic. I said, that's okay, brother. He said, that's okay? And I said, yes, I'm a Catholic too. He said, what? I said, Catholic means universal. And so we're universal Christians. So we're, we're brothers. He looked at me like, what? He had no knowledge of the word. From the very first night, he would say, well, what do you do? I said, well, I drive truck and I disciple men. What do you do? 
I said, I drive truck and I disciple men. <laughs> he said, would you explain what you do? I said, you're sitting there, I'm sitting here, I'm driving. You're asking me questions, I'm answering your questions, and you're getting to know Jesus. So that's what I do. And he says, well, what do you do? I says, well, I, I find the lost, and I disciple the found. And that's my mission in life. Come on now. Now, I wish I could interview everybody. We did a little bit different interview in the first service, and I wish I could get to everyone. I know my mom um, is investing. We have a group here called the Spiritual Moms. Can you describe those real quick, Mom? Yes, we have. Um, uh, we, I'm calling forth women who are empty nesters, who God has invested so much in your lives. It's time to give to uh, the uh, women that need uh, someone to come alongside them so that they can grow in the Lord. And they need confidence and they need the, to know that someone loves them and that, that's praying for them. So we have a spiritual moms group and we have mentors and then we have mentees. And um, so if, can I make a, an appeal out there? If the Lord's speaking to you, moms, spiritual moms it doesn't you don't have to be a super christian or anything but god has invested something in you and you need to be able to give it um you you can be as old as me and older and still give and and i pray that the next 20 years lord willing that i live that they will be fruitful years in giving to out into the kingdom of god amen We're running out of time already today, uh, and I, this is a subject matter that I deeply love. You can tell I came out of a house that believed in it. Um, but I really believe that this can be a vision for us as a church, for every person under the sound of my voice, that you can be a disciple and you can make disciples. And I hope that you have a long haul view of it, that you can't do it alone, that we need each other and that we can grow in faith and learn to live a life of purpose. And when it comes to our stories, there's many things in the future that we can do, but we've gotta have that regular place where we get back together again. And we're gonna receive communion on each of our campuses today. And, uh, and as we do, we're going to receive together. I'm gonna to have you huddle up and, and receive the communion together, which is the picture that Jesus provided for us. He lived life together with the disciples. And then, after being together, he sat down on that night that he was betrayed. And there was that moment where he shared another meal with them. Not the first one. But he gave them instructions to do this in remembrance of me. Because Jesus knew that his power needed to be transferred to the next generation. And when he left, the disciples continued to meet together. They went through ups and downs. There was persecution, just like the Coptic Christians are being persecuted overseas today. In fact, if I could, on all campuses, can you just right now, just uh, the, those that are dispersing communion, go ahead and begin to hand it out. And then I, wanna, I want us to be, prepare our hearts for the journey, asking God to help us together. I'm going to hand it off to Pastor Nathan and Pastor Brian right now. You, got, you can lead your campuses and and communion and the story 
of making and being disciples. But I want you to consider today, here at Art Search, we can't do it alone. And the power of Jesus can take us from where we are, underdeveloped talent, if you will. Some of you feel like you're mis- you've messed it all up, that you'll never amount to anything in the future. And you need to know Jesus is going to help you. He'll help you get there. He'll help you become what he, you want. But he'll do it with. He'll do it with. He'll do it with together. And there'll be a sense of we're in this thing together. We're going to win. When I look across the room, I know there's going to be all kinds of traumatic experiences in, in our story. And David's up in the back. And uh, what grade are you in, buddy? Seventh grade. So he's in seventh grade. And he's got a, a mentor, a discipler in Jack. And you need to know, David, Jack is going to be with you on the journey. And you can go and talk to him about real-time stuff. See, it's not just about memorizing the right number of scriptures and passing your confirmation class. It's about a life, a journey of faith together. Everybody said together. And we're in this thing together. And I want to grow in my capacity to disciple others, but I also want to grow in my capacity to be a disciple. I still call Pastor Benson on Skype call once a month. And he's still training me and shaping me. I search for opportunities. Can we get somebody to bring a communion plate up here too? Is it coming? Oh, it's all coming. I'll take one. I want you to consider the elements. You might even need discipleship on how to open these tops. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Let's be for real. We need each other sometimes, right? No shame. Okay, can you help me? Um, Jesus, when he said, this is my body broken for you, I want you to think about what Jesus did. He had the bread that was broken and he knew that his body would be broken. He knew the relationships would experience pain. And he said, when you get back together again, you're going to need it. You're going to need each other. And I will be in there with you. You see, when I'm being discipled, and I'm discipling others, I can have a confidence that Jesus is with me. I'm not doing this alone. I'm in it together with others. And if you can right now, uh, across the, both on the balcony and the main floor, can you just stand? I know you're like, I don't wanna spill. Try not to spill, we'll be okay. We'll figure out what to do. But I want you to consider the context that Jesus said it. He said it around a table together. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn and huddle up with groups of people in here. Can you do that? We're going to receive communion together. I'll lead you. But pull people in if you have to. You might do it as a family. You might pull friends in together. You might have to step into an aisle or something. But I want you to look at the people in your circle right now. You guys need each other. And you can grow in faith. And you're not going to quit. And Jesus will do a miracle through you. The same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. By his stripes we're healed. There can be physical, emotional, relational healing in your circle right now. And Jesus can step in and do a miracle and we're gonna believe that he will.
let us eat. Thank you, Jesus. We trust you for healing, Lord. Then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Spilled out, poured out for you. And essentially the cup is a representation of the spilled blood of Jesus, which in reality, in reality, he forgives the sinner, but it's the blood holds the life. The blood is life. Some people in your group are feeling dead. They're feeling low. They're feeling like they need, they need hope. And Jesus' blood is what they need. And you get to be a part of the story. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to drink. But after we're done, I want you to put your cups away. And I want you just to put a hand on the shoulder of the people in your circle and pray God's healing, life, and hope into the people in your circle. And I'll, I'll give you a couple minutes to do that. And then I'll close with a a closing blessing over you. But we're going to be in this thing together. Let us drink. Thank you, Jesus. Now huddle up and just begin to pray for one another.